Hello, welcome to the fourth episode of the Wise Women in Waste podcast series with me, Claudia Amos, Technical Director for Circularity, Resource Efficiency and Waste, and Debbie Hitchen, Director of Sustainable Production and Consumption at Anthesis. It's my pleasure to do the introductions today, and if you joined us for our first three episodes, you'll know that we are co-hosting a short series of podcasts that uses informal conversation to explore the trends and opportunities in our sector through the lens of women like us. We are inviting women who have inspired us and shared our career journey to join us as we discuss our passion for the work that we do and provide some industry insights and knowledge along the way. Today, we're delighted to be joined by our first external guest, Flo Oetterhoeve, Global Sustainability Manager at McDonald's and based in the Netherlands. So welcome, Flo. It's great to have you with us today. Could you please start us off by telling us a bit more about yourself and your career? Thanks for having me. Very exciting to be part of this podcast series. My name is Floor. As you said, I'm working in the global supply chain team at McDonald's, where I'm focused on advancing circularity across our business, working together with a whole range of colleagues in our markets, our strategy teams, our suppliers, and a range of other functions, given how cross-cutting the topic is. And before joining this team, I was sustainability manager for McDonald's Netherlands for three years, where I focused on a bit of a wider array of topics. And before that, I worked as a lobbyist for the food and drinks industry in the Netherlands, uh, focused on, on sustainability topics as well. And that's where I got first acquainted with the world of, of materials and, and waste. And I think circularity or, or waste more specifically is a is a topic where my initial interest in sustainability becomes really clear. So when I was studying political science in uh, in Belgium and the UK, I had a, a professor that inspired me to dive into environmental politics specifically, looking into things like climate agreements, uh, fishing quota, um, things like that. And I majored and, and mastered in that topic as well. What I found interesting and fascinating really in that topic is the, the interplay between government, industry and civil society and how that interplay impacts sustainable development, both in a positive and in a, in a negative way sometimes. So it's about how regulations impact innovation and how taxation can impact customer pressure. And it's, it's all these different interrelations between the, the, the major aspects of, of how sustainable development is organized and institutionalized that I find fascinating. And that's very relevant for, for waste and circularity as well. Absolutely. And I think it's really fascinating how we have all started our careers at different starting points, really. You're coming through a, a policy, maybe also society angle. Myself was more a business master. Debbie, I think, described local authority and through a, a packaging. And one of our other colleagues came through the more operational route. And then Susan Harris in our latest podcast through the net zero climate change angle. And I think it's super interesting that we have all ended up in in waste to a certain degree. Or how much does waste play a role in your your current responsibility area? It, it plays a big role, and especially if we reformulate into circularity, it's about eighty nine percent of my of my time, both on a on a strategy development level and on a more practical implementation and, and project. 
I'm so pleased that you mentioned circularity, Floor, because throughout the series of this podcast, Claudia and I have been talking about the different terminology that's used. So you'll see Claudia always talks about waste, and it's because she's very much involved with the technology and the end of life processes for that material, whereas I tend to think about things much further up the supply chain. So I'm looking at them as materials and resources and thinking about their design and manufacturing and in-use phases. But what you've just said about circularity, I think, is really interesting. People think of it as the new term for recycling, but it's not that at all, is it? It's It really is the interplay, as you're suggesting, between society and, and materials and choices, because reuse and reduction and repair and all of those other things, including the shared economy, actually, are far more prominent in a circular economy model, aren't they? They are indeed. And, and I think it's it's progressed very quickly in the past couple of years. I think a couple of years ago, no one was talking about circularity as such, and it wasn't an explicit part of our strategy on the McDonald's end either. Very much focused on on packaging on the one end and waste and recycling on the other. And you definitely do see that, that shift into a much wider material management approach what comes in what comes out uh, and not just on the on the packaging material side but also on the nutrient side i think there's a lot of interesting development happening that relate to that wider circularity concept yeah absolutely and now you've provided a bit of a teaser why don't you tell us a bit more about how you tackle and how you approach circularity within mcdonald's sure yeah at mcdonald's we identified packaging and waste and more widely circularity as one of the key topics that's of strategic importance in our sustainability strategy because we see it's the topic our customers and stakeholders care about most across different markets. It impacts our environmental footprint as a business, obviously, and it's highly relevant for system resilience, especially when you take that materials approach. And of course, we're faced with an increasing body of legislation across the markets we work in. So all reasons to really prioritize this topic uh, in our sustainability strategy. And we're building on uh, quite a lot of years of, of global and local sustainability policy and strategy. And build on that, we, we recently launched our purpose-driven approach to feed and foster communities, uh, where we want to integrate sustainability and, and CSR much deeper even within our business and, and within our entire system. And within that approach, keeping waste out of nature is a key priority to reduce our impact on the planet, in addition to reducing carbon emissions and, uh, and advancing sustainable agriculture, for instance. So our strategy is, is built up of three elements. We have some clear measurable targets, which are very important, of course, to, to keep track on climate, but also on, on packaging and recycling. Another important element, I think, that, that's very relevant for us as a brand is that we combine a global reach and sourcing strategy with local action in over 100 markets where we operate in. And it's that combination that later I think is both an opportunity and a challenge for us sometimes. And a third element that I'd like to highlight is that we very much value partnerships with suppliers, packaging suppliers, material suppliers, um, with experts, with NGOs and other stakeholders to help implement our strategy, but also to keep us on our toes and make sure we keep track of all the innovations happening around us in the in the quick service sector and more widely in the food sector. So with this strategy, we're, we're working on a couple of major aspects where we're working to reduce packaging, such as offering straws only on request in some markets. Uh, we're working to switch to more 
sustainable materials in our packaging, such as a switch from, from plastic to fiber lids that we're focused on. We're working to help customers to reuse and recycle as an important element of circularity. So it's a multifaceted approach, uh, all aimed to, to reduce waste and to make sure we, we process waste uh, much better than we do at the moment. I think that's a really interesting strategy. But the question that sort of pops into my mind, particularly when you're talking about the global and the local opportunities and challenges, is how the pandemic has impacted on your sustainability deliverables over this last year or so. Because I imagine there's been so much disruption in multiple markets all at once. And in many cases, you know, there wouldn't have been much time to plan for restaurant closure or reopening of takeaway services only. And I just wonder if you can tell us a little bit about how your operations and your sustainability plan have sort of come together over the last year and, and what you've learned during that period in relation to the implementation of circularity. Yeah, the, the COVID crisis definitely had a had a big impact on our business, still has. And in addition to the financial impact from lockdowns, we also see an impact on our waste streams, definitely as, a, as just one of the examples. So I think we've always seen a significant part of our packaging waste specifically leave our, our stores through our drive throughs and, and delivery and takeout parts of our business. But this has obviously increased. And I think this, this hits on my earlier point of indeed global versus local, where we can make use of our global scale and reach in the way we source packaging. We, we really cannot do that as well on the waste side. And it's much harder to take that on from a coordinated or central approach because we see waste and recycling infrastructure differ so heavily from market to market and even city to city. Sometimes the infrastructure and regulations differ. So our owner operators in the restaurants have to deal with, with these differences in the way they, they have their waste hauled and processed. And this, this is even further exacerbated when you look at all the waste that leaves our store that we kind of lose sight of after consumption. But we still want to play our role and contribute to a better collection and, and processing of that, those fractions as well. So the challenge for us really is to, to find that scale and, and find the right partnerships that, that allow us to influence what happens with those materials once they've left our store. Uh, and that's become even more clear, I think, in the pandemic. Absolutely. And I think we just did some modelling for the, the general UK market in terms of how COVID has changed ways. So with our analysis, what we are looking at really a reduction of about a million tonnes of commercial industrial waste, so including waste from the hospitality sector and an additional half a million tons into the households, exactly what you've just explained, the difference, uh, takeout, takeaways, home ordering services, and so on. But hopefully, when we looked at the different figures, it will net out in 2023, and we only really have a reduction maybe of the 300,000, 400,000 tons with the recovery of the CNI sector and the opening up towards the end of the year. I think the big question is really how how is that going to influence the material composition? So will we still have the same amount of food waste and in other ways will we have less glass? Will, for example, maybe also all the good work in the background over the last year and a half, where suddenly people come back with different type of packaging or different approaches or had some time in the background to implement strategy that had been on the boil from the early 2020 onwards. I think that's the really interesting bit that, that we are really trying to understand and trying to follow up as well. 
I think what strikes me in all of this, Flora, is at the beginning in the introduction, you said that this circularity strategy was a direct response to concerns or comments from your customers. So people are actually asking you about what they can do with their packaging materials at the end of their meal. And I suppose I'm interested to know how you think that messaging and logos and consumer awareness might play out in the coming months and and years as we see that transition that Claudia is talking about come to fruition. Yeah, it's it's a key element, especially for us as a very visible customer-facing brand. We have the opportunity to engage with customers directly in in circularity, but also in sustainability more widely. Um, Ideally, when we can welcome them back into our stores, of course, that that makes it a lot easier. Um, So the, the interaction of customers with our packaging, of course, is very direct. And there we've already learned that when we make shifts, for instance, to paper straws or those those fiber lids I just mentioned, communicating with customers about why we're making these changes really helps with increasing acceptance and even appreciation for these moves um, because it, it takes some getting used to. So there, customer engagement is a really, really key point. And on the waste and recycling end, indeed, what, what customers tell us is that they they want us to, to make it as easy as possible for them to recycle and to dispose of their waste correctly. So really making sustainability convenient, which is something we, we know a bit of too about. That, that's, that's our main task. So indeed, clear signage, but also having the right bins in the right places that are visible and clean. The really simple things, or they might seem like simple things, can have a, can have a big impact on, on customer behavior. And there again, I think it's the challenge of how to make sure we stay engaged with customers when they leave our stores and consume our meals in a different place. So that that's an important challenge our markets are working on in terms of litter prevention as well. Like how can you kind of travel with that customer and make sure there is signage, at least facilities to dispose of waste correctly beyond our own our own stores as well. An interesting addition maybe as well is that I think it's key for us as a brand to also show how we're taking responsibility when we engage with customers and ask them to join in and participate. So if, if we can showcase how we're working on producing packaging, making packaging more sustainable, but also dealing with our waste back of house in a responsible way, we have a much better basis to deal with, with customer engagement. It's really interesting you should say that, actually, because it reminds me of a model which DEFRA launched some years back, which was called the 4E's Behaviour Change Model. And it recommended that exemplifying was one of the important factors for helping customers and consumers to understand what they should do. So by doing what you're doing, by leading by example, you're fulfilling that. Yes, I agree with Debbie. It is really great how you've incorporated your recycling strategies with consumer engagement and understanding their behaviours to enact change. So just to change the subject slightly, I think we are really experiencing the impact of the new plastics export rules in the EU, and especially will it will impact on the businesses with mixed plastics. And I just wondered if that has been communicated by the waste contractors and if there's really comprehensive advice or support to the hospitality sector to meet the new quality standards in the different countries and understand the complexity of the new regulations. Yeah, it's, it's a very important development and, and quite impactful as well. I think even though for us, most of our customer packaging fiber. I think these new 
EU rules build on, on earlier developments where we saw China and other markets usually importing waste, placing bans on that, leading to a, a buildup of plastic waste in Europe, which we had to tackle. I think this really was a wake-up call that the waste issue is not solved as soon as waste is kind of collected and out of sight, but that all value chain partners have a responsibility to to contribute to, to solutions. But indeed, it also calls for further work on making sure plastic is recyclable, work to streamline the types of plastic the laminates, multi-layers, etc. So that's definitely work we're, we're engaged in as well, even though we're um, using a lot more fiber than we, than we use plastic. An important hurdle we're we facing is the fact that in, in multiple regions across the globe, we see quite strict limitations on, on the use of recycled plastics in, in food contact materials. And as a food company, of course, limits our ability to buy back that recycled material and, and create an end market for it in our packaging, even though we know how vital that is in driving recycling. We do it for PET and we aim to do it for other materials as well. But if we could extend that work to, to cover other polymers in, in regions like Europe, Latin America, etc., I think this would really drive recycling capacity for, for plastics as well. Absolutely uh, agree. And I think we hear the same from a lot of our clients that recycled plastics, it's a bit like gold dust and their waiting list to get access to materials. And I think that is really then a, a symptom of the waste industry and the developers frankly trying to build and get investment in new recycling capacity to create the volumes and really the, the the spread of the materials as well. And that's then feeding back into investments. How can you invest it? Regulatory uncertainty and the speed with we, we can build those plants. And then that's going back to you can only invest into it if it's if it's really profitable. And a lot of times they, they, those new technologies in particular need premium pricing for food packaging, for example, and get accepted. And what we find is that a lot of those food grade standards are still uh, linked to polymer to polymer recycling and the new recycling technologies are slightly different because they go through uh, breaking the molecules and breaking the bonds and then rebuilding the polymers so the materials are much cleaner much more virgin like and you don't have the issues you have with polymer to polymer recycling in a lot of cases and then really trying to adapt the regulations to these new technologies and then work with the regulators to get an understanding where the risks are. And it would be really interesting to see from your perspective on food grade packaging, would that be something to acceptable, for example, to look at if food grade standards change and are more adapted to, to chemical processes, for example, to make sure these are safe to use and standards really being adapted in that sector? Well, overall, the, the use of recycled materials in our packaging is, is a very important part of our packaging strategy, in addition to the use of, of renewable uh, materials. So definitely, we're really keen to, to learn more about new opportunities to, to get access to recycled content and to, to use it in our packaging or in other materials we use in our system. And I think, indeed, as you say, it, it requires a good look into safety aspects and things like traceability that we're, we're keen to dive into with our supplier experts um, and that we're also going to need external partners and legislators on to all feel comfortable doing this. But it's definitely a very relevant development we're, we're keeping our eyes on. Yeah.
Flo, earlier in the conversation, you were talking about partnerships, and I know that you're involved in lots of different partnerships which are driving innovation. I was wondering if you could give us some examples and talk maybe a little bit about some of the case studies. Yeah, I think one of the examples of, of such a partnership that's relevant for this dialogue is our role in the Next Gen Up Consortium, situated in, in the US, with our US colleagues playing an active role there, together with other brands that use a lot of paper cups for drinks and other products, where we really try to improve the design of that cup in order for it to be easier, um, recoverable, and, and thus recyclable. Because we know recycling of those cups, given the, the combination of the paper and the plastic liner, is still a challenge in, in some markets and regions. So the easier we can make that in terms of design, uh, but also in, in terms of investing in the right sorting processing capacity in the, on the waste end the more value we can derive from those packaging materials it's an example i think where we work both with with bigger brands but also smaller startups and innovators to to find the right solutions that's a great example and i think people listening might be interested to hear about the collaboration with your peers and other brands that are operating in the same space as you because i think it's widely acknowledged that for circularity to work we have to work with the unusual suspects so up and down the supply chain with our suppliers with the waste companies with the new technology providers it's kind of understood that that's the only way circularity can work but i imagine some people may be wondering well what about the commercial aspects what about the competitive issues here of brands working together but there are lots of projects that that you're in involved in where that collaboration with peers is actually very successful. Can you talk a little bit about the decision making process and you know how how you feel about being involved with other brands in sustainability projects? Yeah, I think we 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 take the case by case approach to, to assess when it makes sense to collaborate and when indeed that competitive advantage is also something that's that's interesting and can drive innovation. But indeed, looking at waste specifically, I think we we very well realize we cannot do it alone. We are big, we have scale, but as I mentioned before, on the waste end, uh, it's much harder to make use of that scale. So I think an interesting example is the way. McDonald's there collaborates with other brands on advancing paper cup recycling, where all the brands focus on collecting cups in their own premises. But whenever cups leave those premises and are disposed of in public spaces, that's where you need each other where there's collection points and, and processing routes as well. So I think it's always the case of finding the right balance where you take responsibility as a brand and then drive innovation yourself versus when you, you realize you need to open up in order to make more progress and achieve collective goals. Thank you. That's very useful. Very interesting. Thank you. Thank you very much, Flo, for joining us and for all the details you've given us and the insight into your experience and your career. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And if our listeners have any comments or questions about anything you've heard today, please get in touch via the Ancesis Group website, email us or reach out on LinkedIn. We hope you can join us next time as we'll be joined by Councillor Donna Stimson from the Royal Borough of Windsor and Maidenhead to discuss topics and zero waste strategies, eco-anxiety and the importance of behavioural change in communities. But for now, thank you for listening and goodbye.